check out episode 29 where we talk to Andrea and Joe from APQC. We're talking all about big data and analytics and supply chain. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put sexy into supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Welcome to Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. If you are a regular listener, thank you for all of your support. If you are a newbie, thanks for checking us out. On today's show, it is all about the subscription revolution. How do these monthly or quarterly boxes get put together and delivered? Well, Ben from Pupbox is here to tell us all about it. Ben is the founder and CEO of Pupbox. Pupbox is a monthly development box for new puppy owners, delivering toys, treats, and training information to help their customers navigate the many joys and challenges of puppyhood. Ben oversees all customer acquisition, business development, and strategy efforts. He founded Pupbox in 2014 with his wife, Ariel, and their golden doodle, Maggie. The company was part of the world-renowned accelerator program, 500 Startups, and was recently featured in season eight of ABC's hit show, Shark Tank. So, hey, Ben, thanks for being on the show with us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't we get started and, and you tell us a little bit about Pup Box and how you got started. Yeah, definitely. So um, as you mentioned in the bio, we're a monthly development box for new puppy owners. We're sending products and training information to people who get new puppies, kind of walk them through the process of that first year of puppyhood. And um, my wife and I started the company a couple of years ago. It was right around the time that we adopted our dog, Maggie. And we were first-time dog owners, so we had no idea what we were doing. We were extremely obsessive about our puppy. We want to be the ultimate puppy parents, like a lot of, you know, millennial puppy parents want to be. Um, and we, we were just scouring all the big box stores. We were looking for the best puppy products on the market. And every time we'd buy our product, she would seem to hate it or it didn't fit her age or her size. And then when we were searching for training information, we were, you know, you know like most people, we'd look at YouTube. We talked to friends and family. We read blog posts. But all the information we were getting was contradictory. Um, so we thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. So we created Pupbox to really streamline the process by delivering all the products, all the training information you might need on a monthly basis to really walk people through the process. So to give you a little example, like our two-month box really focuses in on crate training and potty training. And we provide products that are a pee spray and a puppy wipes and uh, some softer plush toys that are good for a really young puppy. And then our three- and four-month box moves into teething to give you an idea kind of how it progresses. So, Ben, what's easier to raise, a puppy or a child? <laughs> I was just, I just mentioned um, that I had my first child, but I have a baby who's six weeks old right now. So now I'm going through all, <laughs> all the cycles of babyhood. And um, obviously a baby is a little harder because you're getting less sleep. So when, you have no, when you're running on no sleep, everything's harder. But honestly, like, you know, there's a lot to learn about puppies when you get them. People don't think that it's as big of a commitment. But then they get the puppy in the house, and they have no idea what they're doing. The puppy's, you know, wild, not sleeping at night, peeing and pooping on everything, chewing up their shoes, and they're like, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? So I think there's a little less preparation for puppies, so people feel, you know, just as overwhelmed when they're in the house. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I know. I just I just got a puppy. I've got a, a three really? month three month old Aussie Doodle. She is one of those millennials that like has clothes for all her puppies and not. <laughs> You're a fur mom. <laughs> I'm a fur mom. That's for sure. So why don't you tell us about your supply chain and how it works? Sure. And I should give you guys a disclaimer first. You know, uh, my wife leads operations. I'm the CEO, and I kind of oversee everything. So. By no means am I a supply chain master, um, but just, you know, starting the company and growing the company, I've learned so much about operations, operational efficiency, supply chain, um, just, you know, trying to make it work for our own subscription box company. Um, But we actually, we operate a little bit differently than other subscription boxes that are on the market. Because we're so laser focused on puppyhood, we try to inventory the best products for each of the different age groups in puppyhood. So, for example, our two-month box really rarely changes. All those products are inventoried in-house. Um, and then we also source some products uh, for, like, our adult boxes. When they, gra- when they graduate from our puppy program, we source those products on a monthly basis. So we kind of have a mix of a traditional subscription box where we're sourcing five to seven products um, a month and then also traditional e-commerce where we're actually inventorying a large amount of products in our warehouse. Um, and just to give you a little walkthrough of the process, you know, we, we source and procure products every month. We make sure inventory levels are all there. Um, and then we have two ship outs a month. Uh, so we do batch shipping. Um, we ship out all of our subscribers on the 10th of the month. And then anybody who orders in between the 10th and the 20th gets shipped on the 20th so that they're not waiting too long for their first box. And then that customer rolls over and gets shipped on the 10th the following month. Um, and we have our own warehouse. We've kept all of our fulfillment in-house uh, to date. We haven't outsourced anything, although we've looked at it several times. Um, and so we have a facility here in San Diego and a full-time warehouse manager that, that operates that facility. Yeah, so in saying that then, um, just to get into some of the costs a little bit before we get into some of the process, how much of your margins then is attributed to the supply chain, would you say? Yeah, so I'll break down, you know, the, the overall cost so people can get an idea, especially, you know, if they're looking into starting a subscription box. I think it helps to understand, you know, where the costs are associated. Um, for us, our, our subscription pricing ranges from 29 to $39, depending on how long the customer signs up for. Um, and the average price paid per user is a little over $30 a month, so it's about 31 33 to $33. And then all of our costs involved landed to the customer are about $20 to $22. So 65% of that are our COGS, the products that actually fill the box, as well as any packaging that goes into the box. Um, 25% of that, uh, about $20, is shipping. And then 10% is our overhead, including like our picking pack cost, our warehouse expenses, rent, and a full-time warehouse manager. Wow, that's interesting. So the most costly part again, what was that? Well, our cost of goods, the products that actually go in the box are by far the most. But after that, shipping is really a, uh, a large piece of, of our supply chain costs. And we cover shipping for all of our customers, so it's free shipping with all the subscriptions that are shipped in the U.S. And actually, we do ship to Canada, and we charge $7 shipping, which is about half our shipping costs. Um, so we kind of break even there on the shipping as well. Yeah, $7 is good, but you were saying that it, it costs about 14 to $20 to ship the box? Uh, yeah, so our cost, including the cost of goods, is about twenty dollars. So right. um, about six. Our average shipping cost in the U.S. domestically is about six dollars. Six dollars. Uh, okay. And it costs us about two dollars for all of the pick pack, 
where and warehouse expenses two dollars per box. Right. So how do you keep those costs down then? Yeah. So one thing that um, you know because we're also working on pretty small margins. You know, our, our overall margin is about thirty five percent. One of the things that we've really done to keep the cost down is really keep a tight um, picking and packing cycle. So we do batch picking and packing, and we we use temps, and we only bring in temps in on the days that we need to do the the big ship outs. So we're packing, you know, five seven hundred boxes a day with as little temps as we can, um, and that way we can get through all of our boxes packed in a short period of time, and it really low it really limits the the overhead cost of you know that pick pack component. Right, absolutely. And also, you know, I mean, shipping is such a big part of this, and, and shipping is, you know, a piece that fluctuates with scale. So we've been able to negotiate our shipping rates down quite substantially from where we started, but as we scale and move, you know, by coastal or move into a zone that's more central, our shipping costs come down, and that that's really impactful once you reach scale. So right now we have a few thousand subscribers, but once we, you know, surpass 10,000 subscribers a month, that shipping component, when you save a dollar or even 50 cents per box, you're really saving a lot of money every month. Yeah. How did you manage that when you first got started with the uh, lower volumes? I mean, we when we first started, I'll kind of walk you through the process of how we've grown on the fulfillment side because it's an interesting story. So when we, when we launched the company, we were actually living in L.A. We were both working full-time. My wife owned a, another company in the aquarium product manufacturing industry. And uh, when we started Pupbox, we actually started in a shipping container that was in the parking lot of her other company that they just had sitting there used for storage. So we filled the shipping container with all of the first products that we bought, we purchased, and we were just packing the boxes, um, the two of us, in the parking lot um, and dropping them off at the post office. Um, and then from there, we moved to San Francisco. We got a really small space and continued doing it ourselves. We had like a 300 square foot. It was almost um, like a storage container that we were shipping out of. Um, and again, this was such a learning process just as we scaled and as we grew. Um, and then after that, we actually moved into into a bigger warehouse with another e-commerce company. And they were doing a lot of the fulfillment for us. And we were kind of in partnership with them. Um, and then once we reached a certain scale, a few thousand subscribers, we, we just recently, uh, back in August, got our own facility. So now we have about 3,000 square feet of our own warehouse space um, and offices there that we work out of. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to really not invest too much up front uh, into some of these operational costs because they really do add up and cut into that margin. So, you know, like we did it, you got to be scrappy and you really have to uh, scale your operations as you scale the business and not get ahead of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I love that story. So based on the timelines that you were just mentioning, so it took you about two years or 18 months to get to that point where um, you had the the subscribers and you were able to sort of move on from uh, doing it yourself and getting better shipping rates. I'm sorry, you cut out there for a second, Sarah. It took us about two years, um, in total to get to where we are now. Um, but yeah, it took us, you know, the first year was really all just learning a learning experience. So okay. uh, the first year we were both working full time and we were doing pup box on the side and we were just learning how to try to make the company run efficiently. Nothing we were doing was profitable. We kept running into walls. And as we learned and as we scaled our subscriber base, we were able to start seeing those cost savings and really uh, work on our margin. 
Awesome. Awesome. So what in that process that you just described, what, what surprised you the most? Um, was it process? Was it pricing? What, what was it? You know, one of the biggest challenges um, and things that su- has surprised me over the last couple of years um, is the industry itself. So we really try to source a lot of products um, from independent manufacturers in the pet industry. We try to find products that aren't, you know, held in the big box stores because that's the type of products our customers like to see. And because it's a, an industry that's really dominated by small private manufacturers, we see a lot of these companies going out of business. We see them having a lot of shortage of, of product. And so sometimes it's really hard for us to stay up on our inventory. And with a subscription business, you don't want to hold on to that inventory. So it's, it's, we really try to keep the inventory levels close to the chest and, and, uh, and just buy what we need. But then when we have issues on the product procurement side, it really throws a wrench into our plan. So that's one of the things that we've really struggled with as we've scaled. Um, and, you know, as we get more customers and we're shipping more boxes and more product out, it's something that continues to give us challenges. Um, and we're really trying to address that by, you know, we want to build out a full product line. That's kind of the vision for the company is we want to build out our own products, and we're starting to incorporate those now. And as we grow, we think that's something we need to do to stay on top of it. I think that uh, the biggest change we've seen is really moving into the as we scaled, moving into our own facility was the biggest change that we encountered. Um, before we moved in, we had other people. We were in a shared warehouse space. We we're having other people um, sourcing the employees from them and trying to manage, you know, the tight pick-pack bulk picking um, cycle that we do um, has been a little bit difficult for us. So right now we're using all temps, but because we can, we are only employing them, you know, a few days out of the month. Um, it's been hard to kind of uh, keep consistency throughout the pick and pack process. And that's something that we're working on, you know, as we send out more boxes, we can bring people on more often to have them picking and packing throughout the month. Um, But that's something that, you know, with such small margins, that's been a little difficult for us. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of sort of wondering on that batch sort of pick and pack, and it's, it's not seasonal, but it's only a few days of the month that you're that you've got all of that volume. So I was wondering, right. kind of how you manage that, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a difficult process just because you know um, if you're not employing someone all month long, then you have to retrain them every month, and that's really the difficult part of the process. Um, but for us, it makes sense because if we're only packing, you know, five days a month, um, and then we're not, you know, paying those people throughout the month then it really helps us keep control on that overhead cost. Um, and that's what really drives down the, uh, the, the per box cost for us. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, we are approached by fulfillment centers and 3PLs all the time. Um, and usually they can, you know, help us a little bit on our shipping rates. But then when they start to quote us on the pick and pack service, it's so much more than what we're able to do internally with this kind of tight pick and pack uh, uh, bulk bulk picking cycle that we have that it just never made sense for us. So we're going to try to keep it in-house as long as we can um, at this lower rate because what we're doing seems to be working for us. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So let's get to the investment side a little bit. So has fundraising changed anything or had any influence on parts of your supply chain? 
Um, yeah, it definitely has. Before we get into that, I want to ask you guys if you saw us on Shark Tank. Yes, I did. I watch Shark Tank every week. How did we do? Oh, I thought it was great. You guys did a yeah. great job. Yeah, yeah. And you've That's you've so done a really you've done a really great job with your marketing as well, especially here in Canada. Um, I've been hearing a lot more about your brand uh, recently um, from you know sort of my circle and just in general. That's great. So I like to hear. Um, yeah, Shark Tank was a great experience. We did raise some money before Shark Tank through 500 Startups, which is an accelerator program in the Bay Area that you mentioned when reading the bio. Um, and then, you know, we raised recent uh, funding through the Hirschvik Group and the Shark Tank Experience. And um, really, fundraising has affected us most on the customer acquisition side. So the more fundraising we get, the more team members we can bring on, the more we can put into our advertising and marketing efforts, and the faster we can scale. So in turn, as we acquire more customers every month um, and onboard more people, uh, our operations grows along with it. So we haven't invested a ton directly into our operations through our fundraising efforts. We really invest all the money we can into our growth initiatives, and we let the operations kind of follow and grow with the company. Yeah, so how was your experience on Shark Tank? It was great. I mean, um, it's, it's really interesting, you know, going through the whole Hollywood process. It's not something we've ever done before, but um, it was really fun. You know, they, it, it was stressful throughout the application process. If we were going to get selected, they really kind of keep it secret. and They don't, they don't tell you when you're going to uh, film or if you're going to be selected, and they don't actually tell you when you're going to air after you filmed until two weeks before. Um, so you're kind of sitting at the edge of your seat the whole the whole process, but it, it was really great. You know, they put us in our, our own trailer on the Sony lot. Ariel got her hair and makeup done. I got powdered up before we went on. So it was really a uh, an experience for us. Um, and then on the business and operations side, we definitely saw a big spike in sales um, after the airing. So we aired on November 18th. And I think we acquired about a little over a thousand new subscribers just in the month following Shark Tank. Um, so it was a big boost in our in our subscription base. And because we are a subscription business, it was nice that we were able to kind of plan our um, our fulfillment around that that air date. So a lot of companies, you know, they don't know how to plan their inventory accordingly if they have a big media spike like that. For us, because we have two shipouts a month, we just made it really clear to our customers what, what they should expect. And I think that's one of the most important things um, as, you're, as you're growing and operationally in general is to really set expectations for the customers. So we aired on November 18th. Um, we told all of our customers that we, wouldn't be sh we would be shipping our final box on November 17th to them if anyone ordered between the 10th and 17th. And then all Shark Tank subscribers would be shipped the following month. Um, on the 10th. So that gave us a few weeks to kind of plan, um, a few extra days to pack and get all of our inventory in. And then also it was great because we aired right before the holidays. So we had a, a killer Black Friday and Cyber Monday um, and we were able to really, uh, really grow quickly in the, the, end of the, uh, the end of the year. So how do you manage your returns? So because we're a subscription business, we really, the, one of the most important aspects of the business for us is customer service. So we actually have a pretty lax return policy. Um, you know, my wife's probably going to kill me saying this 
on the podcast because we say that people can't necessarily return their box. But every time we have a customer contact us with any complaint, we let them return the box. We replace any products that are damaged or any um, any issues they have at no cost. Um, it really, when you start to really break down the metrics and the numbers of subscription business, the most important metric is always going to be your retention, your churn rate, and customer service, and a good return policy, and being doing whatever the customer needs to be happy is really at the center of that. And we've kind of just kept that motto, you know, in in the back of our minds as we as we deal with returns and customers. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's with any real e-commerce business. I mean, customer experience is everything. You know, retention and repeat customers is everything to that business because you you don't have a bricks and mortar um, where people can come in and, and sort of talk to you. So I, I would definitely agree with that. Just going back to the Shark Tank thing, just for a second, um, did you get a deal just for our audience? Did you get a deal and who did you get a deal with? Yeah, so we got a deal um, from the Hershevik Group, from Robert Hershevik and the Hershevik Group, um, and we've been working with them since the show. You know, we filmed the show back in June, um, and then we have to keep everything a secret until our air date. They didn't tell us when we were going to air until right before, so we were kind of sitting on this secret for um, like six months, uh, and and that was a really difficult component of it too, but we're so happy to be working with the Hershevik Group. They've been really helpful since the air date. They're uh, helping. They have so many media and PR connections. They're helping us get set up with future appearances. Um, And it's really been a great experience overall. That is so exciting. Sorry, I just had to go back for our audience. I wanted them to know, you know, what what happened in your episode anyway, if they hadn't seen it. So, um, I I mean, I encourage everyone to go watch it. But to give you the play by play, we came in, we asked for $250,000 investment for 10%. Um, we got an offer from pretty much all the sharks except for Mark Cuban was the only one who went out, and then uh, and then we ended up taking the offer from Robert, a two hundred fifty thousand dollars investment for fifteen percent of the company. Awesome. So that's kind of the play by play. Sorry if, so, if you can write in the podcast description the Shark Tank spoilers. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. That is great. And did it end up like the deal? It ended up the same. Yeah, it, it changed a little bit. I can't say exactly what we ended up with, but it's yeah. the same valuation we got in the show, and we uh, we did take an investment from them, and we're still working with them. Awesome. So a lot of a lot of deals don't go through. A lot of deals change dramatically. Ours is you know same valuation, and you know we're still working with Robert, so we're super happy. That's great to hear. So let's get into the future of this subscription revolution. You know, where do you see the industry in the next five to ten years? What do you think are the challenges? I think, like to me, in my opinion, I think it's just getting started. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, I think the way that people are interacting with products is really changing. Um, I think that the internet has really you know, when the internet was launched in the last 20 years, really, I think it's really changed the way people have interacted with content. So, you know, social media has changed that. So many blogs out there, podcasts, and the way people are interacting with content, they want it to be more personalized. They want it to be on demand. They want it to be cheap or free. And I think that, you know, the physical good category is kind of moving in that direction, too. Um, I think Amazon Prime and Amazon Prime Now have really paved the way for that immediacy. But I think that people want you know, products that they can interact with and they want them as soon as possible and they want them to be extremely customized to their lifestyle. So I think, you know, the subscription uh, the subscription business model is a great distribution channel for all those things that I mentioned. 
Um, and you know, with our company specifically, we really try to customize the product to the specific needs of the customer. Um, and some of those needs aren't even realized until they receive the product. So staying ahead of the game, and uh, I think I think I think staying ahead of the game is a huge component of that, and delivering a consistent product is a huge component of that. Yeah. Um, and like like you said, the subscription business model is really just getting started because people want to interact with brands and products on an ongoing basis. So um, if we can hook them on when they're young, we're hoping you know they'll stay on through some brand loyalty, and we can really get a lot of value from our customers. I love that. I love that. So have you seen any competitors? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of subscription. I mean, at this point, there's a subscription box for everything, right? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people talk about the defensibility and, you know, low barriers to entry. Um, there's a really big competitor in the dog market specifically called BarkBox, and they've done a really good job. They do, you know, a monthly discovery box that they send out to dogs that consists of five, you know, treats and toys every month. Um but I think that it's important, you know, the differentiation that we have where we focus on puppies makes it such a personalized experience, and it really focuses in on a pain point that our customers have, and that's why we're having so much success with our customer base, um, because that's really the way I see the whole industry moving is that customization and that, that personalization. Yeah, that's what it's all about, you know, solving a problem. Um, in the industry and not not being the same as the competitor, but definitely having sort of that niche or, or something different that, you know, is really going to set you apart. Definitely. So then um, let's round it out. I mean, this has been great. You've given us a lot of really, really good information. and I know our listeners are going to love it. So what's next for Pupbox? Sky's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> Onward and upward. Um, I think one of the big initiatives that we have, uh, I mentioned earlier, we really want to make our own products. So we think that the puppy niche in the pet industry is really underrepresented. There's no Gerber or Honest Company for puppies, and that's really what we want to be. We think the subscription model is a great distribution method, um, and we'd like to develop our own product lines to feature in the box and to deliver to our customers on a monthly basis. Um, we're also doing a lot with content. Um, we're, we're building out a whole uh, a puppy training platform that people can come and get free content and interact with our brand um, online as well as through the products. So that, that should be launching here in the near future. And uh, like everything, you know, it's about scaling the business. So we want to reach as many new puppy owners as we can. And there's about eight to nine million new puppies born in the U.S. alone every single year. If you include Canada, it's a lot more than that. So, you know, we have our work cut out for us. Speaking of the sky's the limit, do you think eventually drones will be delivering these puppy boxes? Uh, who not? Maybe drones will be delivering puppies themselves. Well, I was thinking <laughs> that, like puppies flying through the air. Like, who said dogs can't fly? That's that's it. That's the ticket. Um, I mean, I love drones. You know, I'd I'd love to have drones delivering our boxes. Amazon seems to be wanting to take over the, you know, the fulfillment, the whole fulfillment arm of the industry. So maybe if they can onboard enough customers. And they can offer us a good enough deal. They can fulfill our boxes and deliver pup boxes via drone. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Nick, Nick has talked about drones with every single one of our guests in the last, ooh, I don't know, six to eight episodes. He's, he's kind of a little obsessed with these yeah, things. Yeah, I'm going to be a pilot. You wait. I'm colorblind, <laughs> so pilot? I can't fly airplanes, but I'll be a drone pilot. No problem. Awesome. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, Ben, um, all the way from San Diego, we absolutely, it was a pleasure to have you on the show today. And uh, we appreciate all the information that uh, you were able to give give to us about Pup Box and your supply chain. And uh, just thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. And uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go set up a coupon code, uh, and it's going to be two babes. And anyone who has a puppy should come to pupbox.com, and you'll get $15 off, let's say. That is awesome. Our listeners are going to love that. We are going to promote it and uh, get that out there for, um, for our listeners to use. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys, and congratulations on your new puppies. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Ben. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment. Visit them at icecorplogistics.com. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. There you have it, listeners. The complete look into subscription models and how they work. Thank you, Ben from Pupbox. Stay tuned next week as we talk to the CEO of one of the largest promotional product companies in North America about their supply chain and community and complexity and product safety. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play and leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurik. We are your hosts, Nick and Sarah. Thank you all for your support. And remember, folks, ship happens.
Thank you.